Well, before I get started, thank you so much again to Martha and to Ashley for their uh, testimonies this morning. They were great. Really appreciate it. So good morning, everyone. A few weeks ago, the Friday of Labor Day weekend, my son Chase was on the side of our house filling up water balloons, preparing for an epic water balloon battle between me and his sister and himself. I went over to where he was, and he came running over and said that he had just gotten shocked. I had no idea what he was talking about. So I went over to where he was, and sure enough, there was a cable line where there was a little spark coming from the, from the cable. So I called the, the cable company, you know, not thinking too much of it, but wanting to make sure that our house was safe. At this point, uh, a few days later, our internet had stopped working, and that's what made me realize that they had never showed up yet. So the cables that were producing the spark started to begin to melt. And at this point, I started to get very nervous. So the calls that day, the Tuesday after Labor Day weekend, uh, began becoming a lot more intense as I called the cable company to come out and check out what was going on. When someone finally came to the house, they said they were unable to fix the issue because there was amperage on the line. Now, before this day, I've never heard that word amperage before, but it was a term that I would get used to over the next several hours. Amperage basically means that there's an electric current on a cable that shouldn't be there. So before the cable company could even touch the cable lines, they wanted me to call the power company to come out and fix this line. So I got on the phone right away and started calling the power company. Well, when I got home that night, these cables, uh, the little flicker that was starting, now became a constant flickering and was sparking our house. When we approached it, we smelled burnt wires and the wires were burning into one another. So as you can imagine, Tracy and I got a little bit more nervous as this was starting to happen. I called the power company again and still no one had showed up. Later that night, there were thunderstorms rolling in and now I started to get really nervous. There was lightning, thunder in the distance. So I decided it was time to call 911. The dispatcher told me that they would be sending someone over. Within 10 minutes of that call, I received a text. And it was four simple words from a friend, Michael, who recently became a volunteer firefighter in our town. It said, I'm on my way. That's it. My anxiety levels began to drop instantly. Even though there was still a major issue going on in our house, there's something just so comforting knowing when a friend is going to be by your side, and especially when they're going to be involved in finding a solution to help you fix your house. It's also kind of like when unexpected friends show up and you're about to preach a sermon to give you their support. <laughs> As we continue our series in Proverbs this morning talking about uncommon sense, we're going to explore wisdom that can help us with friendship. Friendship is one of those areas in our life that we often take for granted. Through King Solomon, God shares a lot of wisdom about friendship with this in his book of Proverbs. It's his way of guiding us into the strong relationships that he's been designing for us. But to gain a close friend, we have to know how to be a great friend. So today we're going to be looking at three qualities of good friendship. The first one is allegiance, loyalty, faithfulness, trust. Proverbs 17.17 17 says, A friend loves at all times, and a brother is born for a time of adversity. A friend is someone who will stick by your side at all times. They're going to be there when you're, when you're in, when you, to share in your joy when things are going well in your life, not showing you signs of jealous or envy and make you feel guilty for your accomplishments. And they're also going to be the first ones to contact you when things aren't going so well when you need someone the most. 
When I think of the word love in this verse, I think of the type of love that was used to describe the friendship between Jonathan and King David that could be found in 1 Samuel 18 to 20. If you never read this story, I really highly encourage you to do so. It says in 1 Samuel 20:17 and several other places in the book of 1 Samuel that Jonathan loved David as he loved himself. In Samuel 19, we, we read, Samuel told his son Jonathan and all the attendants to kill David. But Jonathan had taken a great liking to David and warned him, my father's son, my father Saul is looking for a chance to kill you. Be on your guard tomorrow. Go into hiding and stay there. I will, be, I will go out and stand with my father in the field where you are. I'll speak to him about you and I'll tell you what I find out. Jonathan goes to great measures to protect David's life from his own father Saul. Rather than show signs of jealousy of David's continued successes, Jonathan makes a covenant friendship with David early on in their friendship. And he even goes on to sacrifice his right to the throne that he would have gotten. It's hard to imagine something like this in today's world, giving up your right to fame, fortune, power, all for a friend. When someone loves you at all times, and they don't have to, but they choose to, that is true friendship. Michael became our friend when our oldest kids were just babies. Tracy met him and a group of other parents who had just had newborns together about eight years ago. Throughout the years, we remain really close with this group of friends, and our friendship with them has deepened over the years. As Michael began training to be a fireman a few years ago, he told our group that if he ever heard one of our addresses come through on the radio, he'd be the first one at our house. Sure enough, when I called 911, he was the first one there that night. And the comfort of having someone in your house being able to ask them to try and be quiet because you have a six-year-old sleeping <laughs> is just invaluable. She only got three hours the night before, and we were just asking him to try and be quiet as they were going through our house trying to figure out the problem. You can't do that when a friend's not around. With all of the commitments and activities we have going on in today's world, there are a lot of people who make empty promises in this life, who say they're going to be by your side, who say they'll be there if you ever need them, but a true friend doesn't just say they're going to be there because they're already at your house. They're already by your side. When a friend is in need, are you the per type of person that just says, hey, if you need something, yeah, just let me know? Or are you someone who's already there? Are you someone in the hospital that's in the waiting room, letting them know that you're in the building? You know, there's no pressure for me to come up to visit, but if you need someone, I'm here. You're going to be by the, their family as well, by their side. And it's great to have family in that waiting room and to come visit you in the, in the hospital, but when you see a friend, it's just, it's something different about it. There's something comforting knowing that you have a friend by your side. Now, when taking a, a look at the second half of this verse, a brother is born for a time of adversity, there were two conflicting views in all the commentaries that I found. One of the views looked at the word brother to mean like the type of brotherly love that is formed when a friend is there for you, not just in the good times, but in the adverse times when it hurts, when times are tough. But another view I found looked at that word brother to mean the familial word, brother, a literal family member. So I recommend that you do some research on your own to determine what type of brother you think this verse is referring to. But I tend to lean on the side that it means a literal brother, a family member. The Bible oftentimes has a more communal sense of people and family that is generally held in our Western cultures today. The type of family that is described in 1 Timothy 5.8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. 
So when we look at that verse, Proverbs 17, 17, I view a, a brother or any family member as someone who's kind of stuck with you, who's there and has to be there for you, who's in the hospital because they're family. I think Harper Lee put it well when she wrote in To Kill a Mockingbird, you could choose your friends, but you sure can't choose your family. Allegiance to someone is a wonderful way to show how much you mean to, they mean to you. And just as important as loyalty is to a friendship, there's a few proverbs that show us that you can easily lose friends as well. And that brings us to our second A word for today, annoyance. And it's very simple, don't be annoying. Proverbs 17.9 reads, whoever would foster love covers over an offense, but whoever repeats the matter separates close friends. When you're friends with someone long enough, there's going to come a time when you offend your friend. And there's going to be a time when they offend you. It's inevitable. We're all human, and that's just what humans do. Human nature will, but human nature will tell you to hold on to that grudge. But godly wisdom tells us to forgive the way God does. And that's the whole point of the gospel message. When we sin against God and seek out his forgiveness, he covers our sin through Christ. He could hold a grudge and make us feel ashamed if he wants, but he doesn't do that because God wants our friendship. And if we want to be a good friend to someone, then we have to rise above the need to continually remind people of their offenses towards us. We have to take on the mind of Jesus in these situations. If someone offends you and they admit it and they ask for your forgiveness, then just drop it. Don't be a gossip and slander the person. It's not helpful for you. It's not helpful for the other person or the friendship. There's no need to gossip. Over time, it could destroy your relationship. God wants us to think really carefully about the words we use with our friends and our neighbors and those in our life. Are we using words to build people up or are we putting them down? I'm excited because in a few weeks, we're going to be learning a lot more about this in one of our sermon topics in this series. The next proverb I want to talk about regarding annoyance is Proverbs 11:12. Whoever derides their neighbor has no sense but the one who has understanding holds their tongue. According to Webster, that word deride means to ridicule, to criticize, to put someone down, to insult them. When you know you're right about a certain situation, sometimes the wisest thing to do is just be silent about it. Pastor Ray Ortland says, silence can preserve a friendship, a partnership, a marriage, and even a church. This is one that takes a lot of restraint and it takes a lot of humbleness. But godly wisdom is being able to hold our tongue. It's something I try and teach my eight and six-year-olds all the time. When someone's making fun of you and you know it's not true and that person's wrong, just the best way to combat that is just to be silent, to take it. And now the uh, final verse for annoyance, Proverbs 25, 17. Seldom set foot in your neighbor's house. Too much of you and they will hate you. <laughs> Sometimes we need to just give your friends some space. <laughs> it's that easy. Benjamin Franklin said, guests, like fish, think after three days. <laughs> now, for those of you who might have some family who are, distant, who, who are distant, you know exactly what this means. And mom, I know you're listening online to this. I'm not referring to you. <laughs> but we all know when we've overstayed our welcome at a friend's house. And we all know when a friend has overstayed their welcome at our house. There's a sweet spot when you visit with someone. A few months ago, we had some friends passing through on their way to Rhode Island. They stopped by, they had dinner with us, they hung out for a few hours, we had some great conversation, and then they left. 
and we, want, we wanted more. We wished they had stayed longer. In fact, Claire literally was running down the street chasing after their car. It was the first time she met them, and uh, she wanted them to stay longer. And I think that's like the sweet spot in a relationship. When you add an anticipation to the friendship and look forward to the next time you're going to see someone. I think one of the hardest places for this to happen is in a college dorm room. I had a roommate in college who never left our apartment. And it was probably the worst semester while I was in school. He played the didgeridoo. <laughs> By the laughter, I assume most of you have heard of this instrument, but just in case you haven't, it's, one, it's a wind instrument developed by the indigenous Australians. It's sometimes described as a natural wood trumpet or drone pipe. Caleb, would you mind just uh, playing a few notes of what, what a didgeridoo sounds like? <laughs> go on YouTube and have 10 hours of this if you want. <laughs> so the first time I heard my roommate play this, it was like the coolest thing ever, because who plays the didgeridoo? But then after a while, it became one of the most annoying sounds I've ever heard. <laughs> and he played it all the time. He played it when I was trying to study. He played it when I had a date over. <laughs> and he was even, he played it when I was watching TV. I can't tell you how happy I was the day I found out he was moving out. <laughs> College students, don't be that person. Sometimes you, can, you can't escape long periods of time with your roommate. And even if you're not friends with your roommates, just respect them. Give them the space they need. Now that's not a proverb, that's just a freebie for me that you could thank me for years later. <laughs> now up to this point, the type of qualities I described in a friendship can relate to any type of friendship. But if we're going to truly walk with the wise and live out God's wisdom, then we need to follow the instructions in Proverbs 13, 20. Walk with the wise and become wise, for a companion of fools suffers harm. This is where friendships need to take a serious turn. Pastor Ryan alluded to this last week when he preached on sex. Society and culture, that's not the place we're turning to when we want to learn about sex and when we want to teach our children. If you weren't here last week, I highly recommend you go online to hear that message. I thought Pastor Ryan did an amazing, amazing job of tackling an issue that's kind of taboo to talk about up at the pulpit. But the same principles apply for friendship. We can't turn to society and culture for it. The world around us is going to teach you how to be, not going to teach you how to be a true friend to someone. Culture is going to tell you how you, how you could advance in this world. It's going to tell you how to take what you can from people to do that. And it's also a great place to go when friends, you need to commiserate with friends, to take your side, and at a surface level, tell you exactly what you want to hear. But hopefully, by thinking today about the type of friend you want to be to someone, you are also are discovering what you want out of a friend. Walk with the wise and become wise, because for a companion, for a companion of fools suffers harm. Now the first part of this verse is pretty simple and pretty self-explanatory. King Solomon is telling us just that by hanging out with wise people, eventually you're going to become wise. I actually came across an artic article this week where neuroscientists have proved this to be true. But it's the second half of this verse that gets really interesting. Not only is this verse saying that walk with fools and you'll become a fool, but it's saying something much worse than that. 
Over time, if you hang out with fools, those who are not careful with their own lives, you're going to suffer harm. People who are living for the day and have no concept of what it means to be living for the future are eventually going to suffer harm. And just by hanging out around them, we're going to feel the effects of their poor choices. We spend a lot of time with people we have to because of our jobs. And whether we like it or not, the longer we spend time with a particular group of people, the more it's possible that we're going to be influenced by them. Our friends determine the direction we're moving in. It's either going to be going upwards or downwards. Very rarely does it stay stagnant. And I promise you, friends who aren't careful with their lives, they're not going to be careful with your life. Friends who don't, aren't careful with their finances and their marriage, their health and their reputation, their faith and their future, they're not going to be careful with your finances, your marriage, your health, your reputation, your faith, and your future. And if this sounds judgmental, please understand it's not. It has nothing to do with other people. It has everything to do with ourselves. And this is where our last A comes in for today, the word accountability. This is where if you are a true Christ follower, you're going to need to have some strong Christians to be by your side. Proverbs 27, 17, as iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. After Michael had showed up at our house, several other firemen shortly followed, including the big red truck. The electrical issue in our home was much more serious than we initially thought. The first thing they had us do was shut off the entire power to our house. Why didn't we think of that? I'm not sure. When that eliminated the sparks on the side of the house, Tracy and I thought we were in the clear. We thought we were in control by shutting off that power. But it wasn't until the firemen went all throughout our house with a thermal camera that we realized we were never in control of this situation. They were looking behind every one of our walls to see if any of the cables were hot. Even though sparks were flying on one side of the house in a small little contained area, we didn't realize the real issue could be going on behind the walls, and a fire could have started anywhere in, my in our house. If you are to be real with yourself today, how many of us have someone in our lives that could truly go behind the, bar, the, the walls of our life to determine where our, our real issues lie? That verse you hear so often in the Christian world, iron sharpens iron. You might have heard it at a men's conference or a youth group. But really, when you're sitting here thinking about it, how many of us have someone in our life playing this role? And if you are one of those people, please know you're not alone. Just this week, I had several people reach out to me and look, looking for accountability partners. If you want to get serious with your walk with the Lord, now is the time to start that process. And it begins with a simple thing. Sometimes we overlook, but prayer. Start praying to God to direct people into your life to be that person for you. As iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. Over time, just like the blades of a sword, we all become dull. We all become influenced by society in some way. It's impossible not to. We all have weak spots, but God doesn't want us to be dull. He calls us for something much more. He wants each one of us to be sharp for him, to be making good choices in our lives. And one of the only ways to do this is through true, blunt honesty. And just like when iron sharpens iron, friction is going to occur. There's going to be times when you don't like what friends have to tell you. But real friends are going to challenge you. They're going to get in your face when needed. And there's a big difference between hurting someone versus harming someone. 
And please, don't miss this point. Feelings are going to get hurt sometimes. Jesus was friendly to everyone he came in contact with. But there were times, there were some who felt hurt by the things he had to say. But they weren't harmed because he loved them deeply, just like he loves each one of us deeply. So how do we find someone like this in our life? How do we find someone who wants to unselfishly see us succeed and thrive in this world? Well, first of all, like I said, prayer. It's a huge first step. But second, I think just by sitting in this space this morning, you're off to a great start. I've been around this community for a really long time now. And I know that by being here, you're surrounded by a group of people. You're surrounded by a group of people who may not necessarily care where you've been. Now, they certainly care, and they certainly care about where you're going. And I'm not saying that they don't care about your past struggles, they don't care about your hurts, and they don't care about your disappointments, but what I mean is that they are not going to judge you for your past mistakes. They care more about where you are now and the direction your life is headed. And I could say that from personal experience. And it's one of the main reasons that the leadership of this church feels so strongly about small groups. Andy Stanley, one of my favorite pastors, says it all the time. We come on Sundays to learn in rows, but where real life happens is in small circles, and that's in small groups. Like I said earlier, we are forced to spend time with a lot of people because of what we do or where we're going to school, whether it be middle school or junior high, high school or college. It's so important for us to surround ourselves with like-minded people who are out for your best interests, that are moving in the same direction that your life is moving in. Now, shortly after the firemen showed up to our home that night, the power company was right behind them. It's interesting how, how that happens. The firemen show up and then the power company comes quickly after, even though I'd called them many times that day. After the electrician had taken a reading of the electricity flowing through our house, he said it was one of the worst readings he had ever seen. And he was one of like, the older guys. He wasn't a younger guy who was new to the job. He had been on this job for a long time. The firemen were so thankful that we called 911 that night. They said we were hours, maybe even minutes, from things turning really bad. The electrician was able to determine right away that we were without a neutral wire. Now, electricity is supposed to flow evenly throughout your house and go back out to the poles, out to the cable lines out to the street where the cables run. But without a neutral wire, our electricity was escaping through the cable lines that were grounded on the side of our house, causing the sparks in the cable to melt. It wasn't soon after that the electrician was able to, to determine the cause of the issue. And it was all because of this. One tiny, golf-sized little transformer that had rusted out and wasn't doing its job properly. This tiny little device was causing all of our electrical issues. As soon as he replaced this, everything went right back to normal. So as Tracy and I were thanking God that night that our power was back to normal, and even more that our house didn't catch on fire and that we were safe, we asked ourselves, how the heck did we miss all these warning signs? You see, this issue had been going on for weeks. Our lights were dimming in our house all summer. And we just thought it was because the air conditioners were running, we were in an older house. A couple weeks before, the cable wire going to our TV actually melted to the television. It was hot to the touch. Again, I just chalked it up to a bad cable wire. We made excuses and we ignored the smaller problems until the problems got so big that we couldn't help but notice. 
It got to be out of control. And isn't this just how we get caught in a major sin? No one wakes up one morning and says, you know what, I'm going to go out and destroy my life today. <laughs> sin usually starts because of a series of little choices that we make. Small things that we continue to make excuses for. Minor things that we can just easily justify. And if you don't have people in your life willing to point out these small little missteps to call you out when you're towing a line that you shouldn't be, you're much more likely to find yourself in bigger trouble than you've ever wanted. So friends, today, do me and yourself a huge favor. Begin the process of finding true accountability for your life. Sign up for a small group where people will be looking out for your best interest. Pray that God leads you to someone in particular that you could be accountable to and eventually that you could be accountable for. Because friendships go both ways. Don't be annoying to your friends. <laughs> and respect them. Be a loyal friend who's not just going to say that you're there for someone, but actually be there. Be the person in the waiting room letting them know that you're in the hospital just in case they want you to come up to their room. Be like Michael. Not like Mike, like Michael who not only was the person on the scene that night that after I called 911, he was the first person there, but long after the firemen left, he was the last one to leave our house. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we, uh, we just thank you for the gift of friendship. Lord, we thank you so much for these amazing proverbs that you've given us. And thank you so much for preserving them through us throughout the years. Lord, wisdom is such a gray area in our lives, and we just thank you so much that you are able to shed it on us in so many ways. Lord, be with each one of us here today. Help each one of us to have someone in our life to call us out when we need to be called out on. Help us to be able to hurt someone's feelings, Lord, but not harm them. And Father, we just give you thanks for this community of people. Thank you for a group of people who are looking out for our best interests. Thank you for loving us and wanting to be our friend. We ask all these things in your name. Amen.